righty, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Four Guys in a Comic. Um, this week, though, it's really only three guys discussing comics because Mike is MIA. So we have Michael, a.k.a. The Red. Yeah, hey. And then we have um, Alex, a.k.a. the Rusty Old Man Surfer. Howdy. And uh, then myself, Matt, um, a.k.a. your boy Tap. So anyway, um, gentlemen, how the fuck are you guys doing this week? Doing A-OK. Hanging in there. Enjoying all that is uh, comics. I know that we're still only going to be talking about ones that are a week behind but um i'm caught up on a lot of stuff finally i took some time and i read some things yeah i took two days and completed your man thing challenge oh i wish we didn't even, was here. yeah we didn't even get a chance to discuss that really because uh i did it so fast yeah you did uh, <laughs> you know i gave you a full month and you read it in like five days it wasn't even it was three days but my, my issue was is that i hate losing like if it was just like a thing where it's like whoever gets it done gets the prize, then I probably would have taken a lot longer. But I didn't want to risk Mike like taking a vacation day or something and like flying through it and then I lose. So I was like, I hate losing. I'm very competitive. So therefore I binged read the hell out of it in three days. And uh, for those that don't know, it's the Steve Gerber Ultimate Collection, like the trade paperback Ultimate Collections, uh, volumes one and two. It's about 800 pages, give or take, in total. Um, so it's really about the size of an omnibus when you compare the two. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, so the, well, Rusty, you explained. It was your challenge. You explained what it, what it was. Okay, so the deal was, is, you know, back in December, a certain someone named uh, Red Skull or Michael challenged me to a invincible read-off and i ended up getting my <laughs> my i saved the phoenix from the the ash and uh well, i won a comic know, it, was, it was what was it uncanny 195 memory serves no it was uncanny like 133 i think or 135 135 yeah 135 that's what that, it was yeah and 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 if you didn't finish reading invincible by by december 31st i was gonna burn the damn thing live YouTube video, Facebook, or Twitter video, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, and uh, luckily I saved the damn comic. I'll tell you, a lot of people were pushing for that. They wanted to see the damn thing catch on fire. The, you know what was funny? It was Alexi, <laughs> our Ukrainian friend from uh, the UK. And um, it's ridiculous. He was like, all right, burn the thing. Burn it. Come on, Red Skull, Alex burn it. Is, Alec is a troll, man. Don't let him mess with you. He's a great guy. I love him to death. He's a huge fan of everything that we do. I love Alec. He's a wonderful guy. But at the same time, he likes to mess with people. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. You know, and it's funny. Like, I I mean, I know the guy pretty well. I've done a lot of different business work with him and stuff. He's a cool guy. He really wanted to see that thing. Like, he trolled it hard. But I I saved the damn comment. Yeah, I'll say in all the years that I've known you, I don't think I've ever seen you read as much comics as you did in that month. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, it's funny. I don't hang out with that many people that are into comics. I have, like, maybe two or three friends that actually read comics in, like, personally that I see regularly. And um, it, it was funny because I'd be, like, telling people that I'm friends with that, uh, you know, aren't into comics. Like, oh, I read, like, 111 comics in 30 days. And they're like, 
you did what? But I'm sitting here like, I know people that will read way faster than this that will knock out things like outrageously quick. And it really made me put in perspective uh, how much of a nerd uh, Matt and Michael is, so. <laughs> it's not, I mean, I mean, we can knock out 100 issues a month, you know, without blinking an eye, easy. Yeah. Well, I could too. That's my thing, though. But 100 issues of one series, that's a lot. But it was worth it, wasn't it? It was worth it. I'm glad I got the comic. But, I mean, going back to what we're talking about with this man thing is that uh, if Nova or Matt or Mike and Matt, uh, you know, if they finished all the Steve Gerber man thing run, uh, they would get a hardcover and loser get uh, R.L. Stein's man thing. I'm sorry. I would love to have R.L. Stein on the podcast. I'm not trying to hate on his goosebump stuff. But, you know, Man-Thing was not my cup of tea. But this, with Steve Gerber, is something that I really enjoyed. I, I was at the point when I was reading Steve Gerber's Man-Thing stuff to where I didn't want to finish it. So I would take breaks just so I could, like, enjoy it longer. Um, some of it is repetitive. Matt brought this up. Some of it is repetitive. But I felt like, you know, it was up and down, and it just, throughout the whole thing, long-term, beginning to end, there is a lot of really good things, more good things than bad things throughout the whole run. Well, here's the thing. So here's my, here's my thing. Like I said, I binge read this whole thing in three days. So my view on it is this, is that if someone were to actually take the time, read it, let it soak in, read an issue or two, or, you know, read maybe four to five issues a week, even right. Like just a few, you don't go to town let it soak in, come back, read some other stuff, come back. It's not going to feel repetitive. It's going to feel, you're going to, I think you're going to get more out of it. Whereas with me, I read like all 39 issues or whatever it was in uh, like three days time. And the issue that I had with it was that a lot of the writing was very repetitive, but when that book was coming out though people weren't binging it. it people were buying it monthly you know what i mean like it wasn't something that people did and so i think that was sort of my problem with it is that i don't think it's a it's a book that people should binge i think it's a book people should like you said take their time and enjoy um, yeah and obviously i i if i wasn't in a competition with somebody else i probably would have done that um but i hate losing so i want to make sure i won <laughs> <laughs> But that being said, um, I will say this. I was not excited to read this book at all. Uh, Man-Thing is not a character that has ever interested me, that I'd ever wanted to read about. Um, I could really care less. And I read it. It was way better than I ever expected it to be, first off. Um, but not only that, not only was it a really good book and a really good read, the Howard the Duck stuff you're right did fall kind of flat. I was actually really excited for that because I was like, ooh, Howard the Duck, first appearance. And uh, no, that one, that one did fall a little yeah. flat. But that being said, one thing that came out of this that I will take away forever for the rest of my life is there's a, there's a two-issue arc um, in that book called Night of the Laughing Dead. And that arc is in my top 10, if not top five, all-time favorite arcs ever in any book um it's just so fucking good 
Um, so good. I, I immediately messaged you and I said, oh my God, I just read this arc. It is like the greatest thing ever. I absolutely love this like arc. I was like, the book overall is kind of whatever. I was like, but this arc is amazing. Right. Um, and then you pointed out that they actually made a statue a few years ago. Gentle Giant made a statue a few years ago from that arc. Um, which now if you can't find it's discontinued if you do find it's like 800 bucks but um, I was like oh my god I want that statue just it's so it's a cool statue dude yeah no the statue is dope but the arc arc is amazing it it's a tearjerker man it's just it's crazy and so I made Mike read it as well because I said because I told Mike where I was and he's like I'm not even gonna bother then because he I think he had read like one issue at this point Mm -hmm. he's like I'm not even gonna bother and I said, okay, well, if you don't read the whole thing, that's fine. I said, but make sure you go read these two issues. I was like, there's an arc called Night of the Laughing Dead. You have to at least read that arc. And he did. He went back that night and read that arc. And I said, what did you think? And he said, it was really good. I don't know if he was quite as ecstatic about it as I was, but he said it was really, really good. He was very surprised by it. And he said, and I, he said, uh, it's funny, he goes, it actually felt very Sandman-ish to me. You know, Neil Gaiman, Sandman. And I started laughing because I had read in an interview, like a few days earlier, that Neil Gaiman actually took a lot of inspiration from Steve Gerber's Man-Thing run. Like, that was a book that inspired him growing up or whatever in writing. Like, that was a book that he enjoyed. Um, and so I was like, well, it's funny you say that because Neil Gaiman actually credits that man thing run is is like inspiration for him and he goes yeah you can totally see it when you read sandman which now in turn makes me want to go back and get all the absolute sandman books and start reading sandman um i'd read some sandman before i haven't read all of it so i'm really wanting to kind of go back and read sandman now it's got me in that mood but the problem with Sandman, it's not a book that I feel I can read digitally. I feel like the only way to properly read that book is in these gorgeous, absolute oversized editions. Um, I think there's five of them out right now. And luckily, they're not very expensive, thank goodness. Um, but yeah, so sooner or later, I'll have to get all the absolute Sandmans and then make sure I don't binge it, though. I'm going to take my time and enjoy this one. You should. That's what I was saying. Like, one of the things that oh, I always, I, I should have said it beforehand too. Like we said, um, you know, binging it, it seems kind of repetitive. It was coming out month to month. A lot of the man thing issues, there's not like a long-term arc. It's like one or two issues and the yep. story is done. Yep. Yep. Coming out month to month though like that, I would have probably been one of those kids that had been like, when is the next issue coming out? You know what I mean? Yep, like for the next thing. And I would have probably been like super satisfied with just having the one issue a month too, because it felt like you got a lot in one issue. Yep. It's kind of like that Claremont thing where, you know, it's like filled with text or whatever. It wasn't filled with as much text, but I mean, overall, like I, you got basically everything you wanted out of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm with you 100% on that one. It's, uh, I can see that. Like I said, I think part of my issue is that I binged it and I shouldn't have. Yeah. Um, but we still haven't decided. So what am I getting for my prize? We know what Nova's getting and he didn't even He's read it. The mind. You know what the thing is? is I, haven't de- I haven't fully decided yet. We set a hardcover or something of that sort. Um, I want to get you something obscure though. I almost 
very closely almost got you. I know a fantastic four obscure uh, art <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we got to keep it in the price range, too. I can't just, like, splurge, splurge. I don't got that much money. I'm a I'm broke, fresh out of college guy. So, um, you know, we're going to figure this out. Uh, I almost got Nova, though. We decided that was getting that man thing mini by Arlstein. Or I was going to get him the Jim Starlin warlock thing because he even said himself that this looks really good it's just he thinks that he would need a physical copy of it because it's one of those comics that's too old to see in a digital format you got to look at the page by page of it um i even thought about getting that for you but then i was like no nah, it's too easy i'm not gonna make it about me i want to get him something that he's not used to uh reading so that's something that i'm still looking into i haven't decided 100 but it's going to be something weird it's not going to be something that you're used to reading because it's no fun just getting you things that you're into all the time you got to explore and expand your reaches absolute sandman volume matt one. <laughs> i was just gonna say that i was just gonna say that but matt you're probably gonna end up something with barney Look, I'm going to get to the Hyperion collection. <laughs> they made that a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's a floppy, but it's a thing. Oh, that's funny. But so I'm it's not like gonna, a trade paperback? It is a trade paperback. I could get you that. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, you want a little carny thing to always remember me. There's a Hyperion <laughs> trade paperback. Seriously? I'm pretty positive. I'm pretty positive. Let's because look. it's uh, Chuck Dixon. You better get it. It's going to get out of print Chuck soon. Wendig. You know that. You mean Chuck Wendig? Chuck Wendig, yeah. Chuck Wendig's a big name. He's a really big name. He was a bestseller on the New York Times. And, you know, there's a, there's a carny fetish out there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I okay. do not see Hyperion. I'm pretty positive there was one. I don't know. I'm not if there serious. isn't, then I, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm mistaken. I'm wrong. But I thought there was one. I'm not seeing it. No, I can, I can give you several books that I'm, I'm definitely. Oh yeah, no, there is one. Hyperion, uh, Daddy Issues. Is that really what it's called? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it. I think it's only like a handful of issues, though. I don't think it's very. How long did he write the book for? Uh, he was on the book for I think like twelve issues. I think maybe. This is only Hyperion one through five. Oh, but it's funny. It says the doll is in danger, chased by a pack of freaks and lunatics known as the Carnies. Okay, that might be it then, because that's when he finds doll. Yeah. Doll, yeah, doll's dad. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay. Well, if, oh, you, no. if you do that to me, dude, then I need, I don't know. All right, I guess. Yeah, Holy. I should get you that, right? I guess. Oh, you know what? I'm going to laugh my ass Show off. Sandman. But you finally yeah, read it. Go with Sandman. Yeah, I probably will. I'll see. We'll have to find see if I can find a good price on a Sandman. And then... Sandman's cheap, man. In stock trades, 58 bucks shipped. Oh, okay. We can do that. Boom. All right. Done deal. That's actually... Oh, really? Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Yes! I've been wanting to re uh, read Sandman for a really long time, so the fact that I don't have... it's uh, Yeah, no, that's huge. I've only read one issue here or there. Sandman is tough. To me, anyway. I think it's really good, but one issue is like 58 pages. 50 well, yeah, pages. one issue is is really like... That's what I'm saying. It's not a book you binge. It's a book like Man Thing that yeah. you take in and you, and you let it soak in and you... Uh, yeah, it's definitely not a book that you binge. 
Fuck yeah, man. Come back till later on. All right, cool. Absolute Sandman Volume One. You guys heard it here first. Mm-hmm. That's all easy. Right. Dude, that was so worth the read then. That was awesome. All right. Now it's going to be cool because you're going to get to read that and you can make all the comparisons to this. Yeah, week. yeah. No, it'll be dope. Um, yeah. That's exciting stuff. Thank you, sir. No, that's yeah, no problem. I want to ask one thing, though, about the uh, Man Thing run. What did you think about like all the different artists that were on it? Because even though it was a short run, there was a bunch there of different There's a lot people. of different artists. And they're um, all really big name people for the most part. Yeah, no. Val Merrick was on it initially. After Val Merrick um, was Mike Plug. Mm-hmm. I love Mike Plug's art. Um, Mike Plug has done a lot of stuff that I love from the seventies. Uh, Werewolf by Night. He was on that one, and it's just I love Mike Plug's art. And I actually almost messaged you when I realized that Mike Plug took over because I thought it was like like a one issue thing, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Yeah. And then I kept reading, and it kept being Mike Plug over and over again, and I went. <gasps> Mike Plug, Mike Plug. Like, I almost messaged you and said, like, Mike Plug is probably my all-time favorite man thing artist. Yeah. I love Mike Plug. Um, Mike, unfortunately, I've been trying to get I try to get him on the podcast, but unfortunately, I guess his health is not the best right now. And he's he has his people to kind of take care of everything else. So he's unfortunately not doing interviews. Um, because I really wanted to interview him after Werewolf by Night. Um, but yeah, anyway, so Mike Plug is probably my favorite, to be honest with you. That's cool. um, but yeah, it's no. weird though because Jim Starlin did like a random issue, yeah. and then like Howard Chaykin. Howard Chaykin. Yep. Howard Chaykin did random issue, and it's just like yeah, there's like this these one-off things. Yeah, no, there's a lot of big yeah. names, but Mike Plug was probably my all-time favorite man thing. Or like Val Merrick was great. You know, he helped kind of you know create the character and whatnot. But um, I think Sal Buscema did it too. Yeah, he did yeah. Uh, one or two issues, I believe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Mike Plug is my all-time favorite. I just love the way that guy draws the stuff. Like, like I said, like Werewolf by Night and whatnot. It's it's really really good. Um, well, maybe you can appreciate this a little more then, because I think I've shown you it before, but now you've read it. So there's Val Merrick. Yeah, that's Val Merrick's. Yeah. 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 No, I dig it a lot. That's really yeah. you need to get that frame, son. I know. I need to. It's just I actually here in front of a frame. Yeah, I'm actually getting stuff packed and whatnot in my house right now. And uh, um, as I'm packing, I'm discovering all of these uh, pictures that I've gotten done over the years. And I'm like, oh, my God, I really need to get these in frames. Yeah. Yeah. I have uh, I have that. Yeah, here, there. I, have, I have the uh, – it's not a sketch, but it's the uh, – Scott. it's a Scott Williams print of a drawing he did for over my – towns like square where the courthouse used to be and he signed it and everything so i need to get that done too but yeah i have a really cool ryan brown one from uh curse words um that he did that i got last year with mike because i bought him a beer that's a whole nother story in and of itself but um yeah i need to get that one framed and then i have those pages from uh superhuman resources like the original art pages that were sent to me I need to get those ones framed, and yeah, I got a lot of stuff I need to get framed. But yeah, I think I'm finally to the point now where I probably have not enough wall space for everything that I would love to have framed. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm, like oh my god, you, at some point you just got to say, okay, this is going up, this is going to go in an album. Yeah, my office area provided. Fingers crossed, all works out for this new house. Um, but if I uh, end up getting the house I want, all the my my man cave office area is going to be significantly smaller than current 
but that's okay because it'll be like an actual room room not just like a big open area like i currently have so i'll have like a nice closed off office i'm, I'm looking forward mm -hmm. to that very cool yep now i got to something I, I thought was kind of cool that happened to me today so you know, as i mentioned earlier you know i went and got my taxes done over at h&r block and uh while i walked in there uh you know i was greeted and uh and one of the ladies that worked there she's like oh my gosh you know four guys in a comic yeah my boys you know she her, her young your young boys at home listen to us every week oh and uh so I wanted to give a special shout out to her kids out there, Walter and Riley Bianca. Uh, and so Walter, Riley, thanks for listening to our show. Yeah. Cool. Thank you guys. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. So something that I want to bring up real quick, probably maybe one of our last things it depends on how much time uh, Michael has left, but um, mm -hmm. I watched for the first time today, uh, big hero six. Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah, I've never seen he it. He just before. now got to that. He yeah, doesn't no. have kids. I don't have kids, but my, oh. uh, you know, my wife, uh, Reagan, she, we went to the movie trading company today, where I get my comics from. Went there. She saw the movie. She wanted to buy it. She'd seen it before. She told me because she used to nanny kids that um, they she should watch it with their kids and stuff. And one of them would always say that uh, Fred and was me. <laughs> that you know the guy that blows fire that wants to be the lizard guy that jumps yeah. or whatever she he, they would always compare that guy to me or whatever and so she's like you gotta see this movie or whatever right and she um she was like you gotta figure out who his dad is at the end or whatever right and um we uh i saw it at the beginning the picture and i was like it looks like somebody and then we went through the whole credits at the end or whatever and you find out that it's stanley is Fred's mm -hmm. dad and she was like this is super appropriate for you you know this is like this is you and I was just like stop but overall I mean I liked Big Hero 6 it was a really cool movie like if for a kids movie it was fantastic that's how they should do damn Disney Marvel movie it was funny it was sad it was it, it hit every emotion I think yeah no it, it's a good one Baymax uh, is cool. Yeah, my kids wanted a Baymax doll for forever. They've since forgotten about yeah. it. But um, one other thing, real quick here before we go, that you talked about movies. So the Deadpool two trailer just dropped. Mm. Well, the teaser, whatever you want to call it, just dropped. Um, not that long ago. Super hilarious trailer, first of all. But it has been confirmed. Okay, it just dropped. It's been confirmed via the actor who plays Colossus that one colossus will be in the movie which a lot of people are like oh colossus isn't in it what the hell nope colossus is in it i don't know how much but colossus is in it uh, mm -hmm. but he also confirmed in an interview that if you freeze the now you just google the picture and you zoom in in the back behind terry cruz a lot of people are saying that's going to be uh gw bridge or whatever yeah you go in past terry cruz shatter stars in the back no. And the dude confirmed that it is, in fact, Shatterstar. Stop it. Swear to God. Oh, no. So that's then, so cool. So then I zoomed in on the picture to, like, kind of get a better look at it. He's got the little padded 
taekwondo helmet and everything like it, that, the little braids and all that yeah it's legit <laughs> shatterstar that i will cool. say based on that photo though his costume looks a little funky i'm hoping that <laughs> there's like some cgi maybe that they just have. i don't know you gotta it's, think about it though it's shatterstar man overall is goofy yeah no i get it but even still it looks a little cosplayish. Yeah, like Deadpool looks dope. Colossus looks dope. Uh, Negasonic Teenage Warhead looked dope. Like they all looked dope, but like his costume looked a little, looked a little stormtroopery cosplay. I don't know, but anyway, I thought it was awesome. None the fact that fucking Shatterstar is confirmed. I don't know how much he'll be in it, but Shatterstar is confirmed for Deadpool too. Okay, you know what? I've always, I've always thought this. Okay, they've never really done it. They've, I mean, they've kind of done it, but not really, like, full-on done it before. If they put, like, the X-Men, like, you know, like, Storm, Wolverine, I mean, not Storm, I guess, but, you know, like, Wolverine, Cyclops, Gene, all those people in yellow and blues, regardless of how the movie was, good or bad, people would probably like it a lot more, or at least just because of the nostalgia's sake. Yeah. No, that'd be dope. That's why, but that's why teenage uh, Negasonic Warhead. She had the yellow in her costume and everything. Mm-hmm. Colossus had the yellow in his costume. If freaking you know Wolverine just runs out in the yellow and blues randomly, everyone would go bananas. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. If Cable eventually gets a yellow and blue costume like he used to have with the little suspenders and everything, <laughs> people would probably go buzzer. You know? Cable actually looked pretty good once. Yeah, he did. Once they showed the teaser, they're like, "Hang on, one second. Let me go do the CGI effects." <laughs> How long does it take? It's not a mustache. That was a nice little Justice League jab. I like yeah. That. Yeah, really. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's solid, man. So go find that picture. It's super easy to find. Just put like Deadpool two trailer, whatever. You'll find the photo. Zoom in though, and you'll see Shatterstar. So I gotta ask you though, uh, Michael. Um, uh-huh. You have never been like a big '90s X-Men fan. I've tried to get different things going. You, you've never appeased uh, my likes or whatever for it. But what do you think about Cable in the Deadpool movie? Yeah, he could be there. He couldn't be there. Doesn't make a bit of difference to me. If he's so in there the or not. Deadpool movie's not your thing. It's not your bag. Oh, I enjoy it. I mean, I'll sit down and watch it, but no, I don't go nuts about Shatterstar or Cable or anything. I mean, I like the Hydra Bob bit in it, but, you know, it's just it's Deadpool. I've never been a huge Deadpool fan to begin with either. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, that's another Marvel movie that I'll go and see. I mean, the, I can say the only Marvel movie that I've not been too excited to see is uh, – Black Panther. I don't know oh, why the previews haven't done. Insane, dude. Oh, that movie brother. looks amazing. Yeah, everyone's I, I hyped on that. Of course, they're all hyped, but you know, for me, I just see the preview and just kind of like, eh, okay. I will say this. I, mean, I brought watch this. It. No, I brought this up before, and um, you know, it's weird because we're getting like Sound and Fury, Black Panther, and stuff now in comics and stuff, and by no means is this a shot or anything at all, but. I don't understand why they just keep doing new, different Black Panther comics. I understand it kind of for the movie coming out and stuff. You know, that makes sense on a marketing standpoint or whatever. 
But I mean, there's always like new Black Panther stuff coming out constantly, constantly, constantly. Mm -hmm. But I've never honestly had any of my friends or anybody that I know personally that's just like, oh, I'm excited to read the new Black Panther. Yeah. Now, then again, you know, it could be really, really good. Um, I've never had any friends that have been honestly like, uh, you know, I'm excited for the next uh, Black Panther issue to come out. I know Priest back in the day um, had some. Oh, I've been reading. Yeah, I haven't read all of it, but I'm actually in the process of reading his stuff, and it is so good. His is like almost a cross between like supernatural, um, ele like he has supernatural elements. Like it's not just all like technological advanced stuff like he has some supernatural elements thrown in that make it amazing in my book um it's really good yeah but i mean like with new black panther stuff like any new current titles and stuff i mean i've not had any friends that have come up to me and been like hey man you should definitely check out the new black panther issue it's so cool i'm totally oh. stoked for the next well, issue to be fair i don't really have many friends that say go read this new marvel title period so. <laughs> That's like me too, but I mean, we have our, uh, you know, our fan base and the line. Yeah, yeah. Else, but I, even there, I mean, it's complete randos. I don't know every single person. There's like a thousand plus people, you know, yeah. and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I never hear anyone be like, hey, you know, Black Panther issue so-and-so is coming out next Wednesday. You should definitely check it out because this is happening. Yeah, I don't know. My thing is, is okay, so I'm going to kind of jump on a little bit of a soapbox here. So for those that, that don't know, um, which is probably most everyone, um, my wife is of mixed race. And um, so she's very forward thinking, very, um, you know, we're Bernie supporters, etc. Um, and so in talking about this and talking about Black Panther and seeing, you know, there's all these news articles about how these, uh, you know, inner city students all get to go see the movie or whatever. And like, you just see right. them dancing on chairs and tables and it's super adorable. And you're like, Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Like, but they look like beyond stoked. Like I have never seen in some of these videos, I have never seen a kid this excited ever to see anything ever. Um, and I was kind of showing my wife a video and I said, you know, I don't understand um, I was like, look at this. This is so awesome to see. Like, you know, look at how happy these kids are. And part of the reason she said, I, I was like, you know, I've just never seen something like this. This is really cool. And she goes, well, and some of you guys, I'm not going to get into this whole SJW crap with <laughs> comics gate and all that crap. I'm staying out of that. I have my yeah. own opinions, but we're not getting into that. So don't even try to take this podcast there. Cause that's not where we're going. But my wife, um, ultimately said she's like well you don't understand because basically you're a white male like you're you're not going to understand this like any comic book movie you go to see or you went to see as a child like when i went and saw batman the 1989 batman on my seventh birthday like that was like that was me i was that kid dancing on the table like ready to go see batman like when batman 2 came out in 91 92 i cried because the theater was sold out and they didn't have seats with my mom and I begged my mom to let me just sit in a seat by myself so I could still watch this movie. Like that's how much these movies meant to me as a child. Right. And, but a lot of that is because I was a white male seeing a white male lead on TV. Like, you know what I mean? Like I could imagine myself being like, Hey, that's me up there. Whereas these kids, these inner city, you know, or even just these black kids in general, they didn't see they're not, these kids have never once gone to see a superhero movie 
where they can picture themselves and say, you know what, that's me up there. That could be me. Yeah. Not once has that ever fucking happened. People say like, oh, Spawn was the first or Blade was the first. True. I'll give you that. He was, but those movies were not geared towards children. No, not at all. Those, those are R-rated movies. movies. Yeah, PG thirteen R. I think they're R. No, those are R-rated uh, movies. Those, no, Spawn's not R. I don't think it's PG thirteen. Okay. Well, either way, those movies are not geared towards small children. Right. Okay. Those are not family friendly films, so to speak. No, that's a good point right there. That's um, a great point to make right so, there. So while yes, you do have Spawn and then Blade and stuff. So there are. Other, I mean, honestly, if you want to go back, you discuss. You could probably even mention Shaft and some others if you want to go or real Steel far back. Or or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you could. There's a lot for you, but once again, those are not really geared towards children. This mm. is the first mega blockbuster movie that is geared towards everybody, all races, all ages, all everything. But the first time that these kids can actually go to a theater, sit down, and say, "That's me up there. I can be Black Panther." These kids have never had that before. And I never even thought about it until my wife said something about it. She said, well, just think, you've had this opportunity your whole life. These kids never have. I said, what? Like, at first, I was just kind of thinking, like, you're insane. But then I actually sat down, and I actually got to thinking about it. And it is so incredibly true that it's just absolutely amazing. Like, this movie is already breaking all these records for pre-sales and everything else. It's not because this movie is going to – I mean, yes, I do think the movie is going to be really good. But it's not because people are like, oh, it's going to be like the next Star Wars. It's going to be really good. It's, that's right. not why. It's breaking sales because of the, the, the historic significance of this movie. It's like a diversity barriers. Correct. Stuff. Yeah. My hope is that this movie continues to promote these types of conversations with people, like the one that I had with my wife. I really hope that, that this movie helps break those boundaries and helps break these – scenarios and and cultural barriers and social barriers and people start having conversations and realizing things that maybe they didn't see before like i said i didn't see that before i was kind of like oh it's a really cool black panther movie but i didn't see it from that other side i'm throwing out examples of like you can't picture you know what i'm saying does that make sense no no it definitely makes sense this is the first time where these kids can actually see that and say to themselves that is me and no, I, but that's what I want to say. A, we need on, more of that. On a media standpoint, on a movie scale, that makes sense. But on a comic book scale, it's not something that's new. No, but here's the thing. Black, I feel like the black, I haven't read any of the comics aside from the priest stuff. So to be honest, I have absolutely no idea what the new books are like. Um, but knowing who some of the authors are, I feel like maybe some people, I don't know if they're necessarily... I don't know. Like Tanisha Coates, I've I've heard is a marvelous writer. I've heard he's an absolutely amazing right. writer. Um, but he's also very kind of political mm-hmm. and he's very and so be it. That's perfectly fine. I have nothing wrong with that. Um but I know a lot of people are kind of sick of politics in general. Um and are kind of sick of I mean, honestly, like that's why the X-Men, a lot of people I think the only reason why people even read X-Men half the time is because of the name i don't think it's because it's a good book i think they just read it because that's what they're used to reading same thing with like avengers and things like i i feel like some of these flagship titles people keep buying because of the name like the story people bitch about how bad the story is if they go out and buy it every month it's because of the name black panther has never once had one of those 
major it's it's not a flagship title it's there's like, not a dark you know phoenix I mean? saga in the black no Panther it's world. like moon knight yeah. it's like uh hyperion you know it's one of those like boutique type books that mm. is never so therefore unless it has like some crazy amazing fantastic run nobody's gonna catch on to it right away like the same thing happened with priest I wasn't aware of how good the priest run was until a few months back when I started reading the collected editions and Holy crap. Is it amazing? It's really, really good. If you have never read priest run on black Panther, go check it out. It's, it's fantastic. Um, the, what he does with the characters is just awesome. Um, but that being said, I didn't, he wrote that back in the nineties and I'm just now 20 years later, I'm just now reading it. You know what I mean? Like, it's because Black Panther's never been a flagship title. Well, I think that that's something that we're going to start to slowly see over time. Um, 90s titles didn't get a lot of love. Everyone looks at the 90s and usually thinks, oh, that's a piece of crap because of the bubble that burst in the 90s and ruined the comic world. Uh, I think that as we get, you know, a little bit later on and stuff, some of these 90s titles will age kind of like a fine wine, and then we will get to see more and more uh, love out of them, uh, kind of like the priest run right now with uh, Black Panther. Um, I'm not going to say that about everything that came out of the nineties, you know, everyone has their thing or whatever, but like you and me, we can both agree like, you know, executioner song, fantastic X-Men story that isn't highly like up on there on the scale that people are like, Oh, usually talk about usually when you hear X-Men age of apocalypse, dark Phoenix saga, Inferno, you know, mutant extinction agenda, bullshit, whatever. You know, um, but I think that, you know, as we get older now, we're going to start to see some of those things come back because if some of those older people now are turning into adults, they're going to start talking about it more. They're going to have more of a voice and, you know, they're going to replace that baby boomer or generation X era voice that we're used to. Yeah. And um, I mean, I don't know. I will say Googling the black, the current Black Panther book. Um, like good read or whatever if you just google it like what it's it's scoring high like it is scoring high. I think it's just the people we know like let's face it, a lot of the people we know that read Marvel comics are mainly reading flagship titles and nothing else yeah like I, I think Moon Knight is fucking phenomenal I've been preaching it for I don't know how long nobody that we talk to really reads Moon Knight it's a good read I mean I I even read you know what I read of it and I still was like okay I could read the rest of this I mean it's not something that's horrible like let's face it let's look at the comic chat rooms that we're in what are people reading X-Men Thanos Thanos Phoenix uh dr strange only because of donny cates dr strange only gets mentioned once in a blue moon and that is only because of cates right um and that's really about it that's all people talk about when it comes to marvel and then when it comes to dc all you hear people in those rooms talking about is batman Batman and metal yeah you don't hear them talking about action comics or superman i'll tell you right now those books are phenomenal they are great reads probably some of my favorites in dc but you don't hear the people that no. we converse with on a daily basis talking about those books. Um, and so I think that's why I think if you go to like certain, I bet if you, we were to branch out in like other groups or other facets of like comic book readers, we'd probably hear a lot more about black Panther and yeah. Moon Knight and whatever else. I think it's just the core group of people that we converse with in the chats or whatever on, on a daily basis are very, 
flagship readers, mm-hmm. which there's absolutely nothing wrong with. I just think that's what their core books that they prefer to buy and read are. And, you know, hopefully people branch out. Like I said, I've been preaching Moon Knight. It's wonderful. Christopher Priest, Black Panther. Go read it. It's phenomenal. Um, Another one's uh, Venom. Me and you both been Yeah, Venom I really like Venom. Not Venom and Cable. Those are both. Amazing Spider-Man is so good. Yeah. It's been good for a really long time. Yep. And there's like four or five people that I know of in the chat rooms that read Spider-Man. Out of the thousand plus people that are in those rooms, four or five that I'm aware of talk about it's one of those titles that you would think everyone would be reading because it's flipping spider-man you know what i mean and it's good yeah the only book that anybody reads about is x-men and those ones aren't even good i think (laughs) i I just i don't understand it everyone's got that 90s vibe brother i guess well i mean but you have to admit i mean you even say it yourself cable's good but we don't hear anyone talking about cable no you don't it's 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 those characters i don't know that it's necessarily i don't know i think it's just the groups that we're that we i think it's just the groups that we're a part of that we the chats that we're in and things i think if we branched out a little bit or had different people come in we'd hear a completely different side of things because like right now on the some of the facebook groups that i'm in a lot of people are talking about black panther but to be fair a lot of them are referring to christopher priest black panther um yeah not not the current run so i don't know i've heard the current run is really good though i've heard nothing bad about it right and that's Uh, the thing with me too i always hear that you know it's solid or whatever but there's i mean not anything coming out of it that i guess anyone is just like oh my god you know i don't want to call it mediocre because i haven't read it but i mean no one's coming out and just being like what the hell are you thinking why aren't you reading this comic yeah well fuck man you know what maybe i'll i'll add i'm kind of looking for some new stuff to read digitally um like my bedtime reading like currently i'm reading a tmnt universe Mm -hmm. um, from idw it's kind of a companion book to the idw collection and it is phenomenal go read it um but i'll add i'll add black panther i'll read coates's black panther and report next week on uh what what i thought and we can discuss and kind of go from there cool very cool you got to read it too though all right well what issues do you want it to be i don't know how many issues are out i don't know i don't know either hang on let me look one second um it looks like there's a grand total of about 19 issues yeah there's about 19 issues it's not that bad and i'll tell you what right now man somebody that we know is reading it yeah it's all caught completely caught up so here's what we say how about we read the first five issues Okay, I'm deal with that. That's done. We'll, we'll do the first five. Hell, we might enjoy it. I might even go more. But let's read the first five issues. We'll report back next week on what we think of uh, Tanisha Coates' run on Black Panther and if we think people should be reading it, etc. Or if it's just hype. Or if it's hype at this point. But either okay. way. All right. I'm excited. Done deal. I'm excited for let's that. Let's do this. Cool. All right. Now, speaking of interviews, there is someone that we're about to talk to that we've been trying to get a hold of for a while. A long time. It's been a whole minute. And he's finally here. So, uh, you know, listen to the music, hear the transition, and we'll be back soon.
right, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new interview of Four Guys in a Comic. Um, with me tonight, I have uh, none other than Mr. Dan Panos. And Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, I know it's not been easy, <laughs> so I'm happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. We're yeah. just glad you are here. Here we are. Yes. Yeah. yeah, no, we're very glad you're here. And then with us also tonight, we have Michael and Alex. So first of all, Dan, um, for those that don't know uh, much about your work, which by the way, I absolutely love your art. Um, I was, I was recently reading the, uh, the Ennis um, Punisher omnibus and you had a lot of the, the B covers, I believe they were called um, on the Punisher run that were just, they were epic. Um, I really oh, enjoyed cool. looking at those though. So. Yeah. Uh, so, is that like is that like alternate covers or? Uh... Yeah, they had just had. Yeah, it was like I don't know if it's considered necessarily a variant because it was. Uh, it just said like B cover, like A cover, B cover. But it was all as you were flipping through them, you could see all the covers that you had done for the Punisher. So, yeah, I like the Punisher. One of my favorite characters. Yes, it was the story. Well, the story was epic, and then your like I said, your cover art was just insane. Um, but yeah, so how did you exactly get started in the in the process? I read something about how you sent in a, a letter at the age of fourteen. Is that true? That is true. Yeah, it was uh, there was a that Marvel Comics tryout book that Mark Bagley did. I think Archie Bear did it. Yeah, I think even it, maybe Eric Larson did it too. I'm not sure. But a lot of a lot of comic book professionals sent in there that are working today sent in their samples via that book. Cause you can complete these different uh, aspects, different chapters and send in the work to Marvel. And they, I think there was a contest or, or maybe it was just a tool to see if there was anybody out there good enough to, to work for him. But I was 14 and I was like, I want to do this. I want to be a comic book artist. They thought I was a lot older than I was. And they sent me back all sorts of information like, uh, you know, the, uh, dental plan and health plans and everything that you can get looking for them at the time. 401ks. <laughs> yeah, which, which is not available now. Like these guys don't have that stuff, but um, I was pretty thrilled. So what do they do? Um, what do they say when they found out you were 14? They never did. Um, so, but uh, yeah, so yeah, I was pretty young, but I, that, that ruined my high school days for me after that. I was just like, I'm going to work for Marvel Comics one day. And mind you, they didn't say I was good enough to work for them. They just said, you look like you'll be, you know, in no time working for us. And here's what you can expect. So that's all I needed to hear. And I was like, eh, grades, who cares about that stuff? I'm going to be a comic book artist. Didn't help you get the girls. Hey, I, I work for Marvel. Baby. Yeah, it was weird. It wasn't. It wasn't. It's not like today where <laughs> I, I was. I wasn't not vocal about being a comic book artist. I mean, I was always. I was yeah. the, the artist in the school, so people knew I liked that sort of thing. When you first started drawing, uh, what were some of the early things that you uh, first started? I guess doodling or anything at all that kind of just got you started off and going. Well, I always liked. Conan, ever since I was a little kid. And even before then, I was drawing like Lord of the Rings sort of esque drawings, like very all fantasy oriented. I'd go to a, there, there was like, a, I hadn't been to a comic book, a comic book store like you see now. I'd, there was like bookstores that occasionally had comics, but most of these, I would just hang out in the science fiction um, section and like these amazing book covers by Frazetta and I think it was Michael Whelan who would do the, um, the Elric series at the time. And I was just 
fascinated by that stuff. Um, so I would go home and, and draw that. I was probably like 10, maybe even as young as eight years old, kind of like digging that sort of stuff. I had some uncles that probably had heavy metal magazine and some other like creepy and eerie. And it's just a weird thing. It's like a, especially, especially at that age, you're, you're reading, you're reading these books, you're looking at them. It's, you know, it's not a, it's not a group activity. So it's kind of a, you know, private thing and you get caught up in the, this world and whatever publishing house that is, you know, getting to those like Warren and those Warren publications. I don't know if you guys ever read those or anything, mm -hmm. but that was, that was just kind of a weird little interesting world. I just, I just got sucked in. So I always wanted to do that. My dad was an artist and he really liked uh, comic book artists and comic book art, but he was, he did more of uh, commercial, commercial art. Mm -hmm. Now you're saying you're doing some art since you were 10. Do you still have some of those old uh, art books from when you were younger? Do you ever look back at them and, and see how you progressed throughout the years? Yeah. In fact, uh, cleaning out the garage so we're checking out all those things like all my old uh, Dungeons and Dragons characters I'd roll up I started playing that oh, game cool. pretty young <laughs> I was so I was super into that and then I started a little company I, around age 14 that uh, if you I, I put it in the back of Dragon Magazine which was the magazine back then if you were playing Dungeons and Dragons it was published by the same people that made Dungeons and Dragons and it was, if you send me a self-addressed stamped, stamped envelope, excuse me, I will send you back a uh, character sheet. And on that character sheet, you could order a black and white or a color character, like whatever character, whatever game system you played. So that really kind of helped me uh, drawing and learning deadlines and taught me a little bit about business. Yeah. It's fun. Do you get a lot of orders through into that? Yeah, I, I I bought my first car before I had a driver's license. Oh wow! I mean, it wasn't a great <laughs> car. It was a nice car. I'd say yeah for a for a fifteen year old, and uh, I slept in it the first two nights when I got it. It's like this is mine. This is my space. I could sleep. You know, <laughs> I slept in that driveway. That's cool. That's funny. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I was always into that, and it's a weird art. Like it's, I see a little bit. I go, oh, I still kind of do that line. I still do this, and it's interesting to see. You know, well, I'm gonna have to pull one of my old books and sell. We have to pull out one of my old books and send it self and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. It's still not bad. Convention prices, not bad. <laughs> Becky Clooney and occasionally he'll do uh, sketches for that amount. That's cool. Depending on yeah, depending on the show. Apparently, if you you go to um, Becky Clooney and kind of bases like eh, I'll do you know 15 minute sketches for this amount of time for this money so she can you know if it's not like a huge huge show she so she's still constantly doing sketches they just they just get a little bit smaller that girl is god she's talented and she loves Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> nothing wrong with that do any of you guys play that game or I did uh, when I was I did younger, but I when I was a baby yeah no I did when I was younger and then I played uh, magic was the other big up. thing that I played growing up oh yeah I never got into that I got a buddy who's really nah. big into magic the gathering 
But then he plays yeah, he it. with a bunch of hot chicks. He's like the only guy they let in. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like these, like these professionally hot, beautiful women playing uh, Magic the Gathering and him. So, uh, yeah, I, know, I started playing D&D probably like in the early 80s. And then, uh, then Boot Hill came out. I don't know if you ever heard of Boot Hill. Yeah, was, I remember uh, that one. Yeah. Yeah, when that came out, that that was it. That was it. Was over. It was Western. I love my Western. Yeah. Wow. I think I <laughs> the Western version of for the artwork. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I was into all the all the artwork, and if Jeff D worked on any aspect of it, I probably bought it. But Jeff Jeff D was kind of a big influence. He he uh, inked his his illustrations very similar to Terry Austin. And I really, and then I saw Terry Austin for the first time when I picked up a John Byrne X Men, and saw yes. them. Yep. They were on, they were on the tail run, the tail end of their run. I was like, oh my god, this is it. So, but contrastingly, I, I kind of liked, I liked John Buscema and the Savage Sword of Command look with like Tony DeZugna. Um, thinking mm-hmm. I'm probably I probably butchered his last name there, but um, that was a cool look. So I see more of the John Buscema look and kind of maybe that creepy and eerie and maybe even Mad Magazine creeping into my work now, which is, I would never, would have never guessed it as a kid. Hey, that's nothing wrong with the Alfred E. Newman. So I'm about to say, no, horror comics are always pretty cool. Yeah, Bernie Wrightson, all those creepy yes. and eerie days oh, yeah. when he do ink washes. And yeah, it's hard to beat that stuff. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, we were talked about you being young and all like going th- through all these comic titles. You've done a lot of books just over time. Yeah, like a lot. Um, is there a point of like a book that you got assigned or anything where you realize you're like, hey, OK, this is this is it. This is the moment like this is the thing I always want. This is the thing I want to do. This is the thing I'm probably going to be doing for a long time in my life. You know, I guess when I was on, on the X-Men, I, I kind of felt that way, but I, I wasn't doing a whole lot of the full art chores on that. It was rarely, they'd, they'd throw me something, but generally I was inking, but I thought, I never in a million years thought I'd work on any of the X-Men titles. Mm-hmm. So that was a kind of a big moment for me. It was my early 20s, so it, it became kind of quickly. I was pretty lucky. I, uh, I, I think I was, R.T. Bear and I were the first adopters of that's Scott Williams, Jim Lee, Will Spitaccio uh, line. And all the editors were scrambling to find anchors that could, uh, you know, ink in that style because they're like, that has mm-hmm. to be it. It can't, it can't be Jim Lee's awesome drawing or Will's awesome drawing. It has to be inking. Like we could just put that polish on anybody's stuff and it'll sell like crazy. And at least that was the mindset. And early on, I liked Scott Williams stuff because it, it reminded me of a little bit of Terry Austin. So, I would ink the stuff that Marvel would give me. And then I was always studying Scott Williams stuff. And I saw that I always wanted Xeroxes of his pages when they came in. Mm-hmm. I lived in New York at the time. And, and um, X-Men books started getting really, really popular. So they they had Scott Williams stop doing, coincidentally, a horror book with Will Spitaccio. But Will had already finished penciling it, but maybe it's going to ink it. I got to ink that. And then... Mm-hmm. trying to do my best to ape Scott's work, never having done anything remotely close to that prior. And man, it was tough, but um, 
that got me into that X-Men office real quick. And then everybody started, all the anchors started like changing the way they inked for a period of time there. Even guys like Tom Palmer, which, you know, there's a, that's a, that's a travesty. I mean, Tom Palmer should always, <laughs> should always had Tom, Tom Palmer ink like Tom Palmer. He's, you know, I don't know if you guys ever, he's, he's on Facebook and he'll post like pages from throughout his career and you'll see things that mm-hmm. this guy does. And it's just, especially with ink wash too. It's just incredible. The, the tone and the value that it creates with that stuff. Each page is like a masterpiece. But then again, they had him trying to do Scott Williams sort of things. You know, Scott Williams. There's only one, there's like, only one Scott Williams. Yeah, I was about yeah, to say. There's only yeah, one. I, yeah. <laughs> I got lucky enough to hang yeah. out with him for a little bit. Uh, last year, he did a uh, comic signing thing at my local shop or whatever. I do a little bit of uh, local press or whatever. And uh, I hung out with him basically for the day. And he's a real cool guy. Yeah, very modest, nice fellow. Very yeah. forthcoming with, uh, you know, new artists like like myself. He was never like, you know, oh, this kid's ripping me off or anything like that. It was, it was never, never took an attitude like that. In retrospect, he certainly could have. He could have been resenting all these people. But, you know, then and, and now, if, you know, if you have the talent, there's, there's, there's enough room in the the business for everyone. I guess he understood that pretty early. From your perspective, though, <laughs> uh, what is the difference between inkers from when you first started to inkers of today? Well, I don't do a whole lot of inking today, but I, I, I have a lot of friends that, that pencil. And um, one of my good friends is Tim Townsend. And uh, he's, he's, he inks the cello. He does a lot of work on the cello. Um, because uh, Chris is usually pressed for time doing these things. So I, I think Tim generally does the equivalent of finishes. And you just don't, you don't see that too often with anchors anymore because the pencils are usually so tight that honestly you don't need an anchor. You could just, you know, there's, you run them in Photoshop and change the levels and there's little things you can do. And um, you, don't, you really don't need the process if the pencil is tight enough. And I find most pencilers are really, really tight. So you, as an anchor, sadly, for a lot of these guys, you literally are doing that chasing Amy thing where you're going, you're a tracer. And in a sense, you're, you're doing very stylistic tracing. You can't just trace. You need to have some style for sure. But it isn't a matter of like, oh, let me, let me kind of fix this hand a little bit or this eye looks a little bit off. Like when I started, I was still encouraged, you know, where you could maybe spot some blacks here and there and um, balance the page out. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't think that, I think it's kind of a lost art, sadly. But it was necessary for the, for the time because of the printing. And now you just don't, you know, printing is insane these days. You know. Coming to dead art? It's, it's, a, it's, it's going to be at one point. Yeah. I hope, well, I mean, I hope not, maybe not. I think it looks pretty cool to see this stuff inked. I, I, I had a lot of fun. My, my biggest mistake was I, I kept working with better and better artists over, over time. And my goal was to always be, you know, I, was, I grew up wanting to emulate John Byrne and Frank Miller and Walt Simonson and write and draw my own stories. And that meant, um, that meant I'd have to be a better penciler than I was when I was working doing character art for my 14 year old, when I was a 14 year old doing this stuff. 
And, you know, I was just drawing characters as opposed to drawing characters in a car or in an office building or outside by a skyscraper or a horse, you know, for that matter. So, but I, I had this weird idea. It's like, oh, I'm inking over these people. So I'm learning how to draw while I'm inking these, these guys. And that's really not the case. It's a whole separate thing. And I kind of fooled myself a few times thinking that, you know, I'd get someone that couldn't draw as well. And I'm like, oh, I could draw this book. I should, they should let me do it. And then starting with that blog page with nothing on it, <laughs> it's a whole different animal. But it's, it's funny because now when I do a bad drawing myself, I'm like, oh, I'll fix it in the ink. So the hard work's already done. Now I'll, I pretend it's somebody else and just go at it and disrespect the page. <laughs> so from 14-year-old Dan to Dan of today, what were some of the influence from then until now? Um, who do you look to and have looked to in the past? Well, back then it was Jeff D. and Bill Willingham who was mm-hmm. drawing all the stuff back then they did work on Bill and the Vigilantes together and then Bill just I think he did a book called Elementals for Comico or Comico um whatever however you pronounce that company it's finished now but uh those guys primarily and then then I started reading comic books it was all about John Byrne and mm-hmm. I guess it was John Byrne although I, was, I would always pick up Conan and I love the way John Buscema drew Conan and then as soon as I started working for Marvel, Jim Lee started coming up. So Jim Lee was kind of like a modernized John Byrne in a lot of ways. Like he's very, John Byrne has, was excellent with form and, you know, his figures always look, and this is going to sound negative, but it's a, it's a big positive, especially in this business. It's like his figures always look the same. They look like um, action figures. It's like in the proportions mm-hmm. always remain the same. As whereas there's some artists like Sam Keith, and you, know, you ask him to draw Wolverine, and it's going to come out eight different ways depending on how he feels, you know. And they're all going to be cool, interesting things, but you're not going to, you know, he's, he's going to, oh, I'm going to draw the, I'm going to draw this torso this way, or the abs now look like, you know, circles instead of triangles, or you know. Whereas someone like John Byrne is like, oh, well, that's that's a John Byrne torso. That's that's how he draws a leg or a knee or a nose. And Jim Lee is the same way, but it's a little bit more detailed. It was interesting. So I, I kind of fell in love with that Jim Lee line and um, with Scott Williams was doing with it. Mm-hmm. So probably for the for the longest time, it was Jim Lee and, and Scott Williams. And I think always in the background was Rosetta. You know, it was always insanely. And what about that? Now? Like, is there anybody super now fan. that you look at you that you see their art now and you say, "Oh my gosh, that is pretty cool." Let me uh, look at that a little bit more. You know, I find myself going back to um, early illust- illustration guys that were doing magazine artwork. So, uh, like Whitcomb, and uh, there's a there's a page called um, Art Inspiration or Weekly Weekly Art Inspiration by Leaf Peng. And the guy just puts up amazing stuff. So I look, I look at that. And uh, as far as like modern day comic book artists, Dave Johnson's always helping me out and teaching me. I would say he's teaching me, but we'll send, we'll send each other our artwork back and forth. And I really respect the way that guy colors and sense of composition. So it's a, he's a big, it's a big help to have a, have a friend like that for sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. 
trying to think of other other guys that really dig currently. I don't know what kind of changes. I like I like Kerry Nord. Um, he's really good. Andrew Robinson's one of my favorites. Um, really fun stuff. I wish he, I wish he was doing like a monthly somehow, but you know, whenever that guy does a cover or any kind of sequential art, it's just amazing. So kind of going back to Marvel and you, like you said, Jim Lee and stuff. So you kind of, from my understanding, you started off in Marvel and then uh, when, when the guys kind of broke off and formed image uh, you were, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were kind of one of the early guys as well that kind of went over with to image with them yeah. and worked under the extreme brand. If I remember correctly. Yeah, I went with, I had finished Rob's last issue of X-Force and he asked me to come with him to extreme and Mark Silvestri needed an anchor because Scott Williams is doing Wills and he was working with uh, Jim Lee. Those were like good friends of his. And then uh, Mark Silvestri joined Homage Studios. So he wanted, he liked that look. So I, I did the, I did issue three, I believe of, uh, um, Mark's first book and uh and then Rob just made me an insane offer I was like all right Rob it is <laughs> and I moved out to California it was it was great I never looked back my whole family followed me out there not too, too long after but but yeah so it was, it was interesting I was like the RT bear and I were working at homage and teaching the, the new breed of anchors how to how to ink in that style Townsend and I brought him on as a background guy. He was doing some backgrounds here and there for, for John Beatty. Um, but I was like, he had just broken up with his girlfriend and I thought, ah, he'd probably love it out here in California. And he did. He loved it. It was, I mean, the background guys at Rob's studio were making more than the Marvel guys doing their own, you know, full books back in the, the crazy nineties. Mm-hmm. Do you have any uh, cool stories from the 90s that just something that sticks out that you remember? Uh, <laughs> I remember Art T. Barrett, if you ever get a chance to interview him, he's a, he's a lot of fun. He, he and I were pretty good friends back then, and we shared an office, and we, you know, we knew we were inking just like Scott Williams, and we, we created like a kind of a phony mythology about him in a way because we're just like killing just jabbering endlessly to each other in the studio all day listening to heavy metal and talking about comic books and and uh digging whatever wild storm was turning in it was very mm -hmm. it was very very exciting so so we would just uh <laughs> you know <laughs> we would put up we would take a scott williams page and keep running it through the Xerox machine again and again and again, but each time enlarge it to the maximum enlargement size. So you can get those little Z lines up to like, you know, almost the size of an 11 by 17. And we had, as a joke, we had our whole office like littered with them on the walls. So it looked like, you know, something out of, uh, uh what's that, uh, <laughs> what's that, with that, that scientist guy where his, his whole, they go into the back shed and the place looks like, you know, like, okay, commit this guy. He's insane. Um, Russell, I think it was a Russell Crowe movie, but, uh, but yeah, so one day, Jim Lee comes in. Oh, we also had, we also had a cuckoo clock and, and 
the eyes would dart back and forth in this cuckoo clock. And we found the picture of Jim Lee, cut his eyes out and put his head on there. <laughs> and so the eyes were going back and forth. And so, I mean, it's, it was for, for us, it was all in good fun. Like we really kind of idolized these guys, but they're just taking it to a, you know, a silly, wacky place. But there was like a, a, a competition going on between kind of Rob and, and Jim and, and some of the other guys at his gym studio homage versus some of the guys at um, Extreme. And RT there and I weren't really a part of that, but you know, we, we, we more, <laughs> we more idolize them in a sense, but if you came into our office, you'd think we're nuts. And so one day Jim is visiting because image comics is literally the next door over and he stopped in to see Rob and he stopped in to see, um, Art and I, and he goes into our office and we're carrying on a conversation with him. And I notice he's starting to look at the walls and then he's looking at us and we're still, we, we didn't really think anything of it. It's been up there for a while after he left the office. Art and I looked at each other and we're like, oh, okay. I don't think Jim's ever going to speak to us again. Thanks <laughs> for nuts with our Ghibli cuckoo clock. And uh, he probably, you know, I think we had said something like, Scott has crossed the, uh, made, drawn the line and we're going to cross it. You know, it sounded like war or something. But <laughs> I guess, you know, Jim used to have a degree in, or he, I think he does have a degree in psychology. So maybe he was analyzing us. And, yeah, I don't know if I'll be visiting Extreme again. <laughs> I'd like to know if you ever told Scott Williams about that, though. But I, I, I know Scott, but I, you know, I just see him at shows and say hi and try to be as respectful as I can to the guy. I'm sure, I'm sure Jim came back and said, oh, man, watch out for these two. Watch your back. <laughs> yeah, be careful there. Yeah. But yeah, there's, I mean, guys, we were rappelling off the, the uh, not me, but a friend of mine was, we rappel off the building, they crumbed to the roof, and we're in this in a bank building, essentially, right next to um, Angel Stadium, and there's all these, you know, executives coming in and out, and there's these punk kids with rock star cars coming in, dressed in tank tops, and, you know, going up to one of the offices, and then you know, we're pelling down the side of the building like Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty wild. Yeah, it's fun times. I think that, you know, I was there for about maybe four years, five years. It was, it was great. It was, it was like a very fun, dysfunctional family for me. Hey, cool. And I don't really, I mean, I don't really have any negative stories from it. You know, every, everyone was kind of disappointed to see the comic book business change and Camelot had to end there. But I kind of, I kind of factored that in that it would eventually happen, so I wasn't as bad with it. And Rob Liefeld always treated me well. He's a very eccentric, eccentric guy um, mm. to, to work for, but a very generous guy too. No complaints there. And the guy's full of energy. He would be drawing while on the treadmill. He's always working. He's always hustling. He's still that way. I don't, if you guys ever see him in interviews, he's got. He must be drinking. No, I don't even know if he drinks coffee all day. He's just a maniac. <laughs> but, but extremely ambitious, and that's one of the guys' successes. I think his energy translates certainly back then to uh, the fans. They could just tell how excited he was. Um, he loves comics. Very cool. Very cool. 
So I was curious. So uh, Dan, when you're not busy working with comics or playing D and D, what what do you do? <laughs> what is what are some of your uh, hobbies and interests and things that take your mind away from the world of a uh, comic? I love boxing and I love MMA. Oh yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah, so I mean, he, yeah, do, do you guys catch the uh, UFC fight last night with Rockhold yes, and Romero? Sir. I'm a huge UFC MMA fan in general, but I love UFC. That so I'm assuming you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I was gonna say, that knockout by Romero was insane. I knew Romero was going to win. I was disappointed, though, that he wasn't – if he did win, he wasn't going to win the title because he weighed in over. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, that knockout was vicious. That was brutal. I like the ending where, where Yol comes up to him and, like, does he have to be that close to poor Rockhold as he's – like his marbles are all scrambled, you know, <laughs> scrambled, and he's, he's probably keeps kissing him on the cheek. I'm like, oh my god, yo, uh, give this guy a chance to collect himself, or you know, send him a send him a thank you on Twitter or something. But leave the guy alone, jeez. Yeah. But yeah, that was a brutal, brutal, brutal knockout. I was disappointed by the uh, Mark Hunt fight. Is yes, but, but uh, Curtis Blades played it real smart. You know, yep. that's just that's the way to handle a guy like that for sure. If you can, if you have the skills to do so. Well, especially I yeah, mean, I love that stuff. Blades has got a chin because Hunt almost knocked him out in that first round. So yeah, anybody who gets hit with Hunt by Hunt uh, doesn't usually stand a chance. Yeah, they, I think Blades felt his power. To that guy. Mm-mm, I'm taking him down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, okay, back to the basics here. Yep. That was fun. But yeah, so I watch a lot of. A lot of MMA, and I I do a little bit of boxing myself to to stay in shape, and um, that's that's about it. I have a I have a three and a half year old kid, so I play bat. I'm Robin every day to his Batman. Um, play a lot of a lot of Legos. I guess every parent does. They don't expect oh, yeah. me to be playing Legos as much as they do, but man, there's a lot of Legos going on. Let's be honest. Some of that's also for ourselves too. <laughs> my wife's pretty good at it she's pretty creative i'm like you yeah. made that you or or my you know yeah. my wife my wife elena is making all sorts of crazy stuff cool. uh, she you likes comic books things. too yeah she's I'm, I'm pretty lucky like i got a wife who digs this stuff i guess now you're finding that more and more geeks are finding yeah. each other more easily surprised there's not like a match.com for nerds and geeks that's what the cons are for that's true. Sick yeah. orgies, like eyes wide shut style. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I'm trying to think. Uh, comics, uh, MMA, and boxing. That's. I used to be really big into um, like lifting weights and exercising, but nope. <laughs> I'm not. No after after I started after like UFC number one, I was like, you know what that being the biggest most muscular guy in the room is still going to get your head knocked off it's not going to do you any good in a, in a real situation like this so yeah. you know those days of arnold schwarzenegger you know now it's now it's um you know got who's who's you know you see matt damon and born born identity and that looks pretty cool uh, so kind of going back to the boxing mma thing um your new book slots is uh kind of basically that it's it's kind of boxing with yeah. a little bit of mma background in there um so i've read the first totally. two issues of it I, I haven't read three and four yet but i have read the first two um and okay. I really number five's out valentine's day 
Oh, yeah. perfect. So oh, cool, man. Thanks. I like yeah. binging. I kind of like to wait, like let stuff build up and then binge because I'm so impatient. I hate waiting like a month for a for a uh, book, especially one that I really enjoy. Um, uh, binging. I was that way about Moonshine with uh, <laughs> Riso and Azarello. Yeah, I like to see the whole thing myself. It's not, it doesn't it doesn't help book sales a lot in, in the meantime, but I I, I hear you. Yeah, but I have, so like I said, I read the first two issues. It's really good. Um, I enjoy it quite a bit. Um, but one thing I kind of noticed, and I was just wondering if this was um, sort of a, an Easter egg thing. So in it, it said, uh, the one, it was in the first issue, I believe it is, he goes to the MMA gym, or, well, he thinks it's a boxing gym. He gets there, it's an MMA gym. And it says mm-hmm. uh, uh, Barnett's MMA. And now is that, in, oh, yeah. now is that for like Josh Barnett? Yeah, it's Josh Barnett. And you can see Josh is, I think, two pages later, Josh is, like, calming down that fighter. That, awesome. Uh, that, his man- that his manager is, like, trying to arrange a fight with. Yes, yes, yes. Josh Josh is a buddy of mine, and he's a huge oh, comic Oh, that's awesome. Fan. I did not know that's, that. That's how I met him. He was He's also the Magic the Gathering guy I was talking about. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did not realize Barnett yeah, was, like, into that kind of stuff. Oh, dude, he's he's totally into that. I'm surprised he doesn't have his own like YouTube. That's what he should do. He should be on Twitch, um, playing Magic Gathering with his with these knockout girls that all play. They'd make a fortune. He wouldn't wouldn't play. He's also into wrestling. Like right these days, he's doing a lot of pro wrestling. Yep. Um, commentating. I think he'll probably. Knowing him, he'll probably fight. He'll probably fight again for the UFC one more time. I mean, he just, he lives for that stuff. Man, it's just like a, walks around like a superhero. Yeah. Like a living Viking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great guy. He, he and uh, Dave Johnson set up this thing with the overhaul on TV show. Uh, that Chip Foo's show where they take your car and redo it. Mm-hmm. And they, and they, uh, they Chip Foo's to me, tricked me. And all of a sudden I was on that uh, TV show and they were, they were, changing my 67 firebird that I paid 10 grand for in 99 into this magnificent beast. That's cool, man. Chip Foose is yeah. like, I, I grew up in a car show family. So my grandpa would be oh, like, so what? you know who that is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. My first car when I was 16, I paid $3,500 for it was a 69 Plymouth Fury 3. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a far cry from what I had. And I paid the same price. Yeah, mine yeah. was a uh, Mercury Mercury LM7. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, but it's no it's no Fury, Plymouth Fury. No, I, sure. the thing is, the Fury was a boat, man. I mean, it was a three eighteen yeah. in it, but I mean, it still felt like I was driving a yacht trying to park it into a parking spot. <laughs> sure. Uh, is that the uh, Christine car? Oh, uh, Christine is a Fury. Is. Yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> A little bit earlier, but yeah, yeah. same same idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How funny. Very cool. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's, there's lots of Easter eggs in in slots. There's almost every other other page has some kind of little thing in it, you know, from that means something special to me. That's really cool. I used I used I was always kind of into the like when Terry Austin would do a page where there was graffiti on there and he put all his friends' names and. You know, I was like, oh, I think those were kind of the first Easter eggs in comic books where you graffiti's, graffiti on walls. 
And now, like, I'll draw, draw my friends in there, like, say, Josh. It kind of fits perfectly in this world. Um, there's pride posters and, and um, Lucy's room in the back of his garage. There's Frazetta posters. There's all sorts of little tiny, tiny things all the time. I also love Vegas. So, this, yeah, this comic book's like all my favorite things wrapped into one. I like, like that, that bar scene, that seedy kind of loungy bar scene. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sad that Slots is going to be over by issue six, but you never know. They might, they might ask to, to do another series at Skybound, which would be great. Yeah, no, it's it's really good for those that haven't picked it up. Go check it out because not only are you artist, you're writer, creator, art. I mean, you're everything on this. Yeah, I did the logo. I wanted to I wanted to letter it too, but I think my editors were like, "You know what? We want this book to come out. We can't do everything here." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, my dad my dad was really good at lettering, so I was always fascinated by it. There's a magazine called Upper and Lower Case. You have to be really nerdy to, or into fonts to, to remember that magazine. I don't even know if they make it anymore. But he was great. My dad was, he was great about that stuff. That's he cool. also did a little bit of. He also um, did a little bit of comic books, like lettering here and there. When I was young. Is there uh, anything that you remember specifically? He lettered some Grimjack and some John Table Freelance for, I think, what's that? Is that Eclipse? Yeah, it was Eclipse Comics. Oh, no, it was First Comics. It was First Comics. That's his name of the company. He was always trying to help. You know, when, when he knew that's what I wanted to do, he was like, oh, you know, let me see if I can. This would be a good way when my son can send in samples. I never worked for First Comics. I was, I was too young. I worked for, my first job was for America Comics, AC Comics. And guys like Jerry Ordway and Eric Larson did work there occasionally. I was 14 and I penciled a few pages. I don't know who ate them. But it's kind of cool as a 14-year-old kid to see her, to hold a comic book. I was about to say, so you're like second generation, basically. Yeah, my dad was, I would, he would draw a Batman page a day, like a coloring book style almost. He'd come home from work and there'd be a new Batman page to this story. So I was really, I was pretty lucky. But then when he, when he found out I wanted to be a comic book artist, he, uh, I don't think he was too, I, I think when he want, found out I wanted to be an artist in general, he wasn't too thrilled with that. Oh, like, man. You know, you're going to law school, son. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, listen, I don't want my son doing this. This is, you know, freelance artist is a lot of hours. It's a very solitary job. You know, unless you hate people, maybe comic book artist is the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> So but now there's Netflix. Yeah, that's yeah, a, that's a yeah, quick way to entertain yeah. yourself, right there. Yeah, at least I can I can watch I can watch a Netflix show while I'm inking. Inking, inking. Luckily, I did all that inking, and now inking's like the easiest part of the job for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, do you have uh, any advice to any uh, current inkers or like people that are looking to get into the industry, doing it? Get into inking. Yeah, I guess. Um, or art in general, well, if you have better advice for that. Well, I, th- I, th- I think in, in general, I'd say always compare yourself to the very, very best in the business. So if you want to be an anchor, compare yourself to the very best anchor and, and look at how your work stacks up next to theirs, as opposed to saying, ah, oh, they give this guy a job and he's 
I, I think I can do better than him or that's, I don't think that's going to get you anywhere in any business. So in general, I'd say always compare yourself to the best guy and let that be your benchmark. Um, and always ask yourself like, well, how, like if you're going in as a pencil, like why, how would he handle this? Well, why does it, why does my page look like this? And you know, this guy, Scotty Young's page look like this. Uh, and, and you start looking at it, you have to draw those comparisons that's going to help train your eye in, in a sense. Um, I think too many people, I, I, get a, I do a lot of portfolio reviews and too many people just, they want to do it so badly, but um, that's, that's part of it. You know, that's certainly that desire and that passion, but the other part of it is really mastering that craft and, and respecting it. Uh, that's that's the best advice I could give anyone. Compare yourself to the very best, and that's you're gonna even if you, you know obviously you're not gonna make it. They're the best, like, but you're you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna move faster, or quicker with that mentality for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's like setting a goal and then reaching it. You want that. Yeah, yeah. That's your pinnacle. That's that's the fruit at the top of the tree for sure. Very you know, cool. there's guys like, you know, I, you know, I wish I could be uh, like Jack Davis, you know, that'd be really awesome. Or more trucker or God, Frank Rosetta or James Jean. Like uh, those, those are, you know, I'm always trying to reach that level. I never thought, honestly, I'd, I'd be able to draw as well as I do right now, looking, looking back at my career. Um, so I'm thrilled that, I, that I'm at where I'm at, but the, you know, there's a long, long way to go before you become like, you know, one of those, like a James Jean or, um, you know, say a John Gisimer or any of those guys are icons and they're right. icons for a reason, you know, but you have to, you have to have those goals for sure. Very cool. Is, um, yeah. are you reading anything currently? Or is there anything that you're, that's coming out that you're into right now or are you taking a break from comics? No, I always, I'm always into comics. I, I really, I'm not as much into superhero stuff anymore, but I am into whatever like Brubaker and Sean Phillips do. I'm really down with that stuff. So like right now, Kill or Be Killed is kind of neat. But anything, anything Brubaker does, I'm really a big fan of that guy's writing and what he, the type of stuff he does write. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, anything Brian Azzarello and uh, Eduardo Riso do, I'll pick up as well. So I don't know what the two of them are working on right now, but they, they had just done that Moonshine book. I think it's already in trade paperback. It's pretty cool. I love Thunder Bullets. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Ron Garney's work is, is really cool to, to look at um, when he's doing Daredevil. And I don't know if he's still doing Daredevil or not. I think he is. I, I just saw some stuff on Instagram. He's churning out kids, so he better be churning out pages. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any uh, upcoming conventions or anything that you're going to be at that you want to throw out there? Oh, I'm going to Long Beach in a couple weeks. I think it's two weeks from now. I'll be there all weekend. And then I'm going to try to do Heroes Con this year. I'll do New York Comic Con and San Diego Comic Con. Um, there's one in Phoenix and there's one in Dallas, Dallas Fan Expo. Oh, Dallas I think Alex will actually be yeah. at the Dallas Fan Expo one. So, yeah, that's, that's, I love Dallas. That's a fun city. 
Yeah, I've heard that's a pretty – Looking forward. Looking forward. Yeah, well, one of the years, uh, we're going to have to get you out to uh, Kansas City Planet Comic Con. Oh, I've been there once. I've been there one time. Oh, I love that. Oh, that was a great barbecue. Yeah. Yes. You guys are lucky. Yes. Dr. Bryant's got Jack, Jack Stack. Yep. Yep. Um, our, uh, I got our some Jack Stack barbecue sauce right now in my, my fridge. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, my uh, our buddy Mike, <laughs> the other co-host that wasn't here tonight, he actually is flying in from Toronto. He Last year he flew in too, and uh, he stayed at my place, and then we drove to Kansas City, and uh, – we went to the con and stuff last year and so he's in toronto so he doesn't know about good barbecue and so, oh man well so I that's took a lesson to, right there god i took him to jack stacks and uh we had lunch and stuff there and he's like this is amazing <laughs> it just doesn't like, get better than that does yeah, it yeah so like keep in mind he's like he's a very fit guy like he's super like muscular really like he's in good shape right and he's sitting there eating mm-hmm. and i i'm i got a dad bod all right i'm not gonna lie so he's sitting there and he goes, I'm right there with you. He's like, no wonder you Americans are so fat. He's sitting there eating and then I took him to the Waffle House. Um, we got back to the. Oh, yeah, I love Waffle House. I was like, uh, the one over by the airport. I work for Hyatt, so there's a. Um, I have a hotel right near there that I get to stay at for free. Um, so we, we were staying there and, uh, I took him to the waffle house and there's a funny story all in that on its own, but he's like sitting there eating waffle house. He's like, God, this is so good. <laughs> like, yeah. You I'm hear like, that butter all over those waffles. And then yeah, the like, is amazing. Like, Canadians not have this kind of food. And he's like, not like this. So yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. Excited. I'm going to take him back. We're, we're eating some barbecue this weekend and it'll be a good time. Take him to Arthur Bryant's. That's great too. Okay. That's that's some that's great. It's it's one, it's like a hole in the wall, but pretty much every president has eaten there. It's like that, that good. Oh, nice. So when was the last time I think you were near in, the airport too? When was the last time you were in Kansas City? Uh, the Comic Con. Uh, most John, maybe maybe five years ago. I've been oh, trying okay. to get back for a while. I got yeah, a, I got a good friend out there, and he's this guy Ben DeFeo, who's a big he's a big comic book art collector too oh, and all sorts of different types of art but he's always trying to get me to go out there to that planet comic-con mainly so we can eat some some barbecue yes um <laughs> that's the big draw for me i'm like uh, one year uh jason aaron i think had a party for all the all the comic book pros oh nice and he catered it with jack stack i was like man jason aaron there you go <laughs> yeah um i know he'll be he's there every year he's kind of local so i know he's yeah. like every year but uh um yeah i've been going the last three years now and uh it gets bigger and bigger every year like that con is oh, well congratulations that's great yeah i don't know about this year because they kind of it's in february whereas normally it's in april may but this year it's in february but i know last year i think they were pushing close to a hundred thousand it was a it was a pretty big con especially for a midwest you know, convention. That's, that is amazing. All right. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Yeah. No, um, thank, thank you, you very much. much. Thank you. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Mm, good time. And uh, um, maybe when the, you know, I get another book coming out after this one, we'll pick it up there. Yeah. Sounds excellent. Yes, sir. I would love, love to have you back on. I guess take care and uh, thanks for putting up with me. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Have a good night. Hey, have Thank a good you. night. All right. All right. Later, Later brother. Guys. Thanks.